Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, email rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. You can find The Secret Teachings online at www.thesecretteachings.info or search the name of the show on any radio or podcast player. You can listen and stream the show and download the show for free on those players seven days a week. Even though The Secret Teachings airs Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio, you can always listen to the show on the free players or on our website. And when you subscribe to the ad-free archive and buy one of my books, you support us and keep us on air. You might have also seen that starting on the first day of March this year, 2023, The Secret Teachings will be more incorporated into Aftermath. So The Secret Teachings will be available for a monthly subscription or as part of the premium package with Clyde Lewis's Ground Zero. It does not affect your subscription to the show. I do believe if you're already subscribed to The Secret Teachings, I think it's a little teeny tiny bit cheaper if you just keep that subscription. So if you see things changing over, don't panic, don't cancel anything. I think you'll actually save a few dollars a month or a year. Stay subscribed uh, and help keep us on air that way. And of course, support Aftermath uh, in general. But when we shift over there, you'll be able to get uh, more than my content when you do subscribe if you're a new subscriber. And that will be again on Aftermath starting March 1st. I believe it's March 1st. So about a week from now. Until then, you can always use our website and you can always contact me directly for any technical issues. So you might remember that about, I don't know, what was it, a couple of years ago, some of the Dr. Seuss books were being banned, or at least that's what we were told. They're not going to be printed anymore. The Associated Press reported almost uh, two years ago, next week, it was March 2nd, 2021, that there are going to be basically discontinuations of some Dr. Seuss books. There were six in total that were going to be discontinued, which is another word for banned. They're just not going to print them anymore. Those books were, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, if I ran the zoo, McElligot's Pull on Beyond Zebra, Scrambled Eggs Super, and The Cat's Quizzer. Now, before we get enraged about censorship of things like Dr. Seuss or the outright banning of Dr. Seuss, I think it's critical to take an objective look at what's really happening here and the context of what's happening here. The same people who get upset about professional activists So people on the right, politically, they get upset at the left-leaning or off-the-cliff-leaning activists, tend to be the same people who find it their duty every single day to be offended in the name of Jesus Christ. And the same people who are upset over book rewrites, yes, we're going to talk about Roald Dahl tonight, the author of very famous classical books like Matilda, Big Friendly Giant, you see our show tonight is The Big Friendly Censor, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and others. His books are not being banned like Dr. Seuss, they're being rewritten in real time. So we will talk about that in detail tonight. But the same people that are upset about those book rewrites, or the book bannings, 
are the same people that hold tight to the most edited book in probably the, probably the history of mankind. And that book is the Bible. Now, I'm not trying to conflate the two. These examples cannot be entirely conflated. They can't be entirely combined. But it is important to recognize the context to this. You know, I notice that when I make observations like this, my numbers for downloads goes down by like a few hundred. Obviously and clearly people don't like seeing their own hypocrisy and they clearly don't like a fully objective, honest approach to examining these issues. I mean, if you talk to anybody on the right politically, they're upset about Dr. Seuss, even if they've never read Dr. Seuss. They're upset about Roald Dahl. They're upset about all the book banning. They're upset about the, the digital book burning. They're upset about the censorship. And rightfully so. Even if you don't like those works, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm upset when anybody wants to censor something, unless it's obscene, unless it's perverse, unless it's relatively speaking. I think we can all agree relatively that certain things are not kid appropriate. But if it's just a story and it's a simple word that somebody interprets as offensive, then we have an issue here. Where does that road take us? How far do we go on that road? Do we stop or do we just end up going off the cliff? So I understand that some people get upset and I'm one of those people that get upset. However, people on the right tend to be a little bit more religious, a little bit more Christian. You get that Christian conservative thing going on. And I noticed with the Grammys this year, the same people that were upset at the Grammys, you know, it was either for clout online, podcasts and radio shows, talk about the Grammys, that's what's popular, it's satanic, it's evil. <clears throat> and this is this is what I've been telling you about the devils and everything. You know, because that gets hits, that gets clicks, that gets views. But who's going to point out the fact that the people that get upset about that, whether it's for clout or it's for Christ, are the same people that they look on a daily basis for anything to get upset about in the name of Christ. Something's evil, something's demonic, etc. But these are the same Christian conservative type people that are very upset at social justice warriors and quote-unquote professional activists. They're doing basically the same thing. They're not doing it for their God, Karl Marx. They're not doing it for their God, the Communist Party, or whatever they think they're doing it for, equality or justice, which is you know largely Karl Marx and a, and a number of, of other, other groups and people that aren't as popular or famous. Uh, they're just, people are doing it in the name of Christ. Uh, could do, it doesn't matter what you do it in the name of, it's like a daily outrage. You get upset about things. And again, the people that are kind of the Christian right that are upset about the, uh, the books of Roald, uh, Roald Dahl being censored or being rewritten are the same people that hold tight to the most edited, the most revised, the most censored book in probably the history of mankind, and that is the Bible. And again, these examples cannot be entirely conflated but they are very important to recognize if you, if you want to be, you don't have to be, but if you want to be objective about this. Now, when we're talking about censorship, banning, burning, rewriting, whatever the case is, there's some additional context that we need to know, we need to understand. In ancient Rome, officials were elected every five years to audit, investigate, and offer needed solutions to the proper function of government. So these were people, 
that were chosen, generally speaking, from the from the common pool of Roman citizens and probably more so the professional communities. And they were brought in to look at government records. They were brought in to audit government records every five years. And they were called censors. They derive their name from the word censor, which means to scrutinize or to revise. So censor is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, a censor is also a, an incense um, an incense ball used by the Catholic Church. But a censor is not necessarily a bad thing. It means to scrutinize and revise. I mean, in essence, anybody who has a critique of anything is a censor, but that's not necessarily the same thing as censorship, which is steering you know, ship, steering the ship, if you will, steering the, the scrutinizing or the revising in a direction that you want it to go. Now, that practice of censoring was continued in, into the late 18th century. Uh, states like Pennsylvania, for example, they elected censors every seven years, just like old Rome did. And they did that so that they could have some kind of citizen check and balance on government. This is a real thing that's happened in the states. This happened in ancient Rome. Now, in a truly representative Republican government with limited democracy and guarantees to the preservation of unalienable rights, people reserve the censorial power. And that power is for government to revise it and to scrutinize it. It's not for culture. It's not for books that you don't like. The people that censor books, the people that censor you know, voices, uh, these are. this is censorship. This is more like... 1984 down the memory hole and censors today in the general public not looking at government they essentially work for government these censors today are not called censors and it's not really called censorship it's called sensitivity sensitivity readers are reading and that's precisely why there is a rewrite just a few words here a few words there nothing big to worry about right of some of the Roald Dahl classic books. So whereas Dr. Seuss got the full band treatment, Roald Dahl books are being targeted for rewrite because of insensitive words, and those insensitive words were being found by sensitivity readers. I can't imagine what they might look like. For example, words like fat for Augustus Gloop and Oompa Loompa, which if you didn't know, <laughs> these, aren't, these aren't real people. Uh, Oompa Loompas aren't real. Uh, I believe originally they were like African pygmies, which are real people. And to censor and to block that and to cancel that, suggesting that it's racist, kind of uh, doesn't represent the, the African pygmies as far as I'm concerned. But words like fat for Augustus Gloop and Oompa Loompa in Dahl's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, he wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory many, many years ago, are being replaced with enormous and small men. So Augustus Gloop is not fat anymore. He's enormous. He's enormous. Uh, maybe like, uh, I think it was Hagrid in Harry Potter, he was described as being too big to be allowed. <laughs> that's, that's kind of Augustus Gloop, which if you look at Augustus Gloop in the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, okay, he wasn't that big. But for the time when that movie was made, that was fat. Today, Augustus Gloop would have been anorexic compared to some people walking around. All right, so, so fat is now enormous, and Oompa Loompas, which are based off of you know, African pygmies, they're not, 
they're not real people. They're they're these fictional characters, but uh, can't call them Oompa Loompas. They're actually small men. Uh, same thing with James and the Giant Peach. He wrote that as well. Cloud men. Oh, it can't have cloud men. They're actually cloud people. And Miss Spider's head is not black anymore. She doesn't have a black head. She doesn't have a pimple or a head that's black. Because that's offensive. That's racist. And the earthworm doesn't have lovely pink skin. That might imply the earthworm is female or something like that. It's actually just lovely smooth skin now. And if you've ever read or seen the movie Matilda, Matilda's one of my favorite movies. You got Danny DeVito in it. It's a classic. Uh, Miss Trunchable, her face is no longer described as great horsey or a great horsey face. It's just a face. So we have, you know, no description of what her face actually looks like. We can't use our, we have to use our imagination completely from scratch. We can't use our imagination. What does a great horsey face look like? Kind of long and like, well, what exactly is a horse face? We can't do that anymore. It's just a face. And in, in a, a, a much older, uh, uh, or not, I said not older. I think it was written in like 1983. Because uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory came out before this. But this book, 19, in 1983, The Witches, that Dahl wrote, uh, not a very popular book compared to his others. Uh, there is even a sentence that's been added to the book. In, in the book, uh, it's about the witches. It's about witches. And there is a, 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 a sentence added suggesting that witches wear wigs not just because they're bald, which is what the book says, but this sentence was added to the witches to confirm that witches might wear wigs for other reasons. They, all witches aren't bald. That's very discriminatory. So here's what the sentence says. It says, there are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs, and there is certainly nothing wrong with that. Well, I'm offended by that statement because men can be witches as well. Okay, so you're just assuming that all women are witches or all witches are women? That kind of seems out of place as far as I'm concerned. Now, in 2018, the British Royal Mint rejected a proposal to mark the 100th anniversary of Dahl's birth with a commemorative coin because they said he was, quote, associated with anti-Semitism and not regarded as an author of the highest reputation. Now, what is association but conviction in the court of manipulated public opinion? Mobs demanding elusive and arbitrary justice that can never truly be had. It's just a mob of people demanding that things are done the way that they want them to be done because their feelings are hurt or because they want to exercise a little bit of perceived power. It's, it's really gross. And that's, that's what association is. This person's associated with this. This person's associated with this. They're a bad person. Apparently, Raul Dahl is anti-Semitic. Okay, well, how is he anti-Semitic? I did a little bit of digging and uh, I found an article referencing a 1983 interview he did where he said the following. This is, let me be clear, this is not me speaking. I mean, it is me speaking. I'm going to read the words of somebody else. I'm reading the words of somebody else from 1983. There's a trait in the Jewish character that does not provoke animosity or that does rather provoke animosity. Maybe it's a kind of lack of generosity toward non-Jews. I mean, there's always a reason why anti-anything crops up anywhere. That's all that he said. I mean, he said a lot more, but that's, that's what he said about the, the Jews. 
And that is enough to get you labeled an anti-Semite, especially when you're writing from an office in the, I don't know, what was this article came out like 2022 or something, 2020, but this might've been a more recent article. So, you know, how many years later, 40 years later, and someone can sit in judgment of something that was said uh, almost half a century ago. But if you want to play the game of association, I found some others that we could we could play around with. For example, uh, Winston Churchill. Did you know Winston Churchill in the Illustrated Sunday Herald, February of 1920, wrote an article called Zionism versus Bolshevism. And he wrote this. This movement among the Jews is not new. From the days of Spartacus Weishaupt to those of Karl Marx and down to Trotsky in Russia, Bella Kuhn in Hungary, Rosa Luxemburg in Germany, and Emma Goldman in the United States. This worldwide conspiracy for the overthrow of civilization and for the reconstitution of society on the basis of arrested development, of envious malevolence and impossible equality, has been steadily growing. It has been the mainspring of every subversive movement during the 19th century, and now at last this band of extraordinary personalities from the underworld of the great cities of Europe and America have gripped the Russian people by the hair of their heads and have become practically the undisputed masters of that enormous empire. Regardless of what you think of that, Winston Churchill wrote that. And it is a little bit like Mein Kampf, but Mein Kampf has largely been censored and redacted, so you don't really get to fully hear what Hitler actually wrote. But if you read, read Mein Kampf like I have, you'll know that Winston Churchill shared the same exact ideas that Adolf Hitler had. The only difference between the two was that they both, well, I guess more so the big difference was Winston Churchill didn't agree that they both had the exact same uh, view for their people. Uh, they both thought that they had the master race and Hitler wanted a deal with the, the British to conquer the communists, uh, just like with the Americans. And well, Churchill didn't want that. So what, by that statement uh, and, and more in that article, wouldn't you say Churchill's an anti-Semite? You know, it's, it's kind of strange, just these associations. Or how about Karl Marx? Karl Marx wrote a lot of really nasty things about Jews and blacks and God, pretty much everybody. So did Che Guevara. Che Guevara is a hero of a lot of left-leaning people today. And Che Guevara wrote this. This is not me speaking. He wrote this, 1952. The Negro is indolent and lazy and spends his money on frivolities, whereas the European is forward-looking, organized, and intelligent. So if we're going to be consistent here. We're going to cancel Roald Dahl. We probably should cancel Winston Churchill, Karl Marx, and Che Guevara. Just something to think about. Now, all of Dahl's books are meant to kind of teach. I've not read all of his books, but when I was a kid, I read a few of them. They're not, and I've seen you know most of the movie adaptations. They're not really meant to uh, just be a story. They're meant to teach kids a valuable lesson, like don't be a glutton and stand up for yourself. That's the, the moral of Matilda. Now, since he died in 1990, he's of course unable to stand up for his own work. And so Puffin, the publisher has hired sensitivity readers to beta test the rewrites. Now other book series, this is what gets me. This is the inconsistency. If, you, if you're going to ban Roald Dahl and Dr. Seuss, 
for anti-Semitism or racism, then you got to ban Winston Churchill. A lot of people might agree, yes, ban Winston Churchill. But then you also have to ban Che Guevara. You also have to ban Karl Marx. You're going to have to ban all these people for the things that they said, the things that they wrote, and the things that they believed. So either be consistent or just let history be history. Book series like Harry Potter, for example. Book series like Harry Potter stand really strong. They got sections in Barnes and Noble, and you can get them at used bookstores. Harry Potter World, they you know expanded and pay like $15 for a butterbeer, making a lot of money, very popular. And it stands very strong, despite the fact that J.K. Rowling became victim to a mob when she made some comments about biological men and women because she believes in science. And for some reason, the people that normally would want to cancel everything, they're not concerned about Karl Marx. They're not concerned about Che Guevara. They're not concerned about Winston Churchill. And they're not necessarily concerned entirely with J.K. Rowling. They just don't like her, but they'll take her her creation. And what I mean by that is there's kind of, uh, I mean, I found some articles on this kind of like a movement to separate the art from the artist in the case of J.K. Rowling. And they must really enjoy their childhood heroes and they must not understand what hypocrisy is. And those, those, there, there are some people calling for the banning of Harry Potter. And at least we can say that those people have a little bit of integrity because they're at least consistent while the rest hold an insane double standard. Now, imagine these standards being applied to history, science, genetics, math, etc. And perhaps they already have been. If books aren't banned outright, then they're censored or they're rewritten. Meanwhile, top pop songs, social media, modern children's books are filled with sex, porn, perversity, obscenity, hatred for parents, hatred for country, etc. Nobody has a problem with whopping. Maybe some Christians do. But everybody's got a problem with Augustus Glute being fat. And that teaching a lesson to kids, don't be a glutton, don't take more than you need. Or, I don't know, vanity in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Vanity, gluttony, supposed to teach you a lesson. Language itself, it's not just books, but language itself is being reduced with every abbreviation, hashtag, and grunt that gets the average person through a conversation. And that's what Eric Blair, that's what George Orwell called newspeak, while doublethink means the power of holding two contradictory beliefs in one's mind simultaneously and accepting both of them. Newspeak is changing the language, the new dictionaries that come out that are reduced, reduced, reduced. We reduce language and, and words, but we also increase it because we add basically grunts and abbreviations and hashtags to our lexicon. And as Orwell famously wrote, who controls the past controls the future, who controls the present controls the past. So if we allow censorship, banning, etc. in some children's books that are supposed to teach good lessons, well, what happens when we apply the same to history, science, genetics, math, etc.? We get a very confused and a very distorted version of reality. And that is, as you can, as you can imagine, as you can think, uh, as you can realize, that is not a good thing. Tonight is the big, friendly censor on The Secret Teachings, we also have Greg from Pardon My American Podcast coming up on the broadcast this evening to help us explore this topic a little bit deeper. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. And there's more after this. Don't go anywhere.
It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on GroundZero.radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. I don't need it. And for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. I don't need it. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. I definitely don't need it. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. I need support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. So about two years ago, Dr. Seuss, at least six of the Dr. Seuss books were banned, or they don't call it banned because we've even banned the word banned. They call it discontinued. They've been discontinued because of insensitive imagery, things that are considered offensive, racist, etc. I find it interesting that a lot of things that aren't really necessarily meant to be racist or whatever the term of the day is, the people that see them as such clearly are the racists or whatever the term of the day is. I mean, if you're seeing these things that you consider you perceive as insensitive, then you're probably the person imagining that, you know, that character is meant to imitate a, a, a black person or is meant to imitate a, a Jewish person or whatever. I mean, like people are still upset at J.K. Rowling. They're like, oh, my God, she put Jews in in the bank. Remember when Harry Potter goes into the bank? Philosopher's Stone, the Sorcerer's Stone. He, she put Jews. I'm like, where she put? What do you mean she put Jews in the bank? All the the little characters, the tellers, they're Jews because they have big noses. I'm like, I didn't even think that. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're the one that apparently has some kind of some kind of ability to see these these things and see them as offensive. And I think you're the you're probably the anti-Semite. Although you know, not all Jews are Semites, but that's another story. But Dr. Seuss, six books have been have been banned or discontinued. And before we can really get enraged about that or anything, we, we got to take a break. We got to just step back and we have to take a, a, an objective look at what's actually happening here. 
No, it's not just Dr. Seuss. Okay, it's it's a bunch of a bunch of stuff. The most recent is Raw Dahl, who wrote Matilda, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Big Friendly Giant, and and a bunch of others. Very very popular books. Many of them teach moral lessons, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Don't be vain. Don't be a glutton. You know, uh, James and the Giant Peach, another book he wrote. A lot of the I've noticed a lot of the same people who get upset about professional activists and social justice warriors are the same kinds of people that find it their daily duty to be offended in the name of Christ. And the same people upset over book rewrites hold tight to the most edited book in the history of mankind, and that's the Bible. Or or the absurd assumption, uh, or I should say assertion, when I was in school, I was given a Bible that had red text, and they told me that's what Jesus said. It's like, no, that's what a pastor or a priest or some church father said that Jesus said. I'm not saying Jesus was or wasn't real. That's not really the point of tonight's show. But how do you know that's exactly what he said? That seems really specific. He said those words in English? Oh, my God. I find that hard to believe. I find it hard to believe he was also white. I find that hard to believe as well. So there's some there's some contradictions here. There's some newspeak here. There's some hypocrisy here. There's some cognitive dissonance here. Now, I'm not attacking Christians. I'm just simply saying Christians, or at least people on the right, are so ready to be enraged about Dr. Seuss or Roald Dahl, but they hold an extreme double standard because although they're upset about those things, then they get upset about people who are upset about other things on the left. And so we can't completely conflate these two sides, but there is a similarity here. And there's obviously a difference between you know, the, the censorship of, of um, you know, a child's book that teaches good lessons. And uh, for, for some reason, some people want to, you know, ban any kind of religious thing, like get rid of Christianity and make fun of it and mock it. And there's definitely a double standard within the, the culture for these things. But when we're talking about censorship, burning, banning, rewriting, there is some additional context. In ancient Rome, officials were elected every five years to audit, investigate, and offer needed solutions to the proper function of government. In fact, this was even done in, in states like Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, every seven years, uh, would hire, I guess they called them kind of, they kind of like censors. In Rome, they were called censors. They hired these, these uh, officials to investigate government you know, records and finances and to offer solutions to scrutinize and to revise, which is what it means to censor. If it's censorship, then you're steering the censoring, you're scrutinizing and revising to the direction you you want to take the conversation, if you will. But scrutinizing and revising is not necessarily a bad thing. Therefore, to censor or to be a censor is not necessarily a bad thing. Now, in a truly representative Republican government with limited democracy and guarantees to the preservation of unalienable rights, people reserve the censorial power. And that power is to be applied to government, not to children's books, not to things that the mob doesn't like. It's not for culture, it's for government. But just like Dr. Seuss wasn't banned, he was discontinued. You know, uh, Roald Dahl hasn't been banned or censored. He's just had sensitivity readers investigate his work, and they've determined that words like fat for Augustus Gloop and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, it's offensive. So they're changing the word to enormous, at least the publisher Puffin is. I believe Penguin is going to republish these books as they were originally written. Other characters like the Oompa Loompas 
they're not Oompa Loompas anymore because apparently that's offensive. They're actually small men. Now, reportedly, he based the Oompa Loompas off of, um, off of African pygmies. And I thought they, if they were represented in the book, that would be diversity. But apparently, some people don't like African pygmies, so they say that's racist and offensive. They're actually just small men. Don't talk about their background. They just manifested in the factory. James and the Giant Peach, that movie scared me as a, when, I, when I was a kid. Uh, cloud men. Cloud men are actually cloud people. As you can imagine, the spider's head is not black anymore. The earthworm isn't lovely pink. It's lovely smooth. And uh, probably my, my favorite uh, movie adaptation is Matilda uh, and, and the Trunchable in Matilda. You know, the Trunchable doesn't have a great horsey face anymore. She just has a face. They don't know what her face looks like. It's just like it's porcelain. It's white. It's pale. It's empty. It's like the it's like the Slender Man. It's, there's no d- defining features. She just, she just has a face. And in the 1983 book, The Witches, they've actually added a sentence to the book because in the book, uh, there's a suggestion that witches wear wigs because they're bald. And some people find that offensive. Here's the sentence that's been added. There are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs. And there is certainly nothing wrong with that. My father's gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that, right? Seinfeld. <laughs> there's plenty of reasons women might wear. You're just assuming all witches are women. Men can be witches. In fact, a, a strong coven has a man and a woman who run the coven. So if you ever read the, read the witch's Bible, it's men and women. There's a strong relationship between the masculine and feminine, but we can't expect these people to recognize that. And of course, the reason that we have to further censor and rewrite Dahl is because he's associated with anti-Semitism because one time in an interview in 1983 written about from the perspective 40 years later in, in you know the 2020s he said apparently uh, I don't know I don't have the interview but this is a quote um, there is a trait in the Jewish character that does provoke animosity maybe it's a kind of lack of generosity toward non-Jews that's what he said there's a little more to it, but he said that. He said, I mean, there's always a reason why any anti-anything crops up anywhere. I, I, I mean, you, you can consider that offensive. Does that make him an anti-Semite? That doesn't really make any sense. An anti, he's, he didn't say he hates Jewish people. He made an observation. He has a right to make an observation, whether you agree with it or not. But if we're going to have this standard for Raul Dahl, we have to have the same standard for Winston Churchill. Type in Illustrated Sunday Herald, 1920. Zionism versus Bolshevism. Winston Churchill wrote up and down about Jewish influences in Hungary, Russia, Germany, and the United States, and how he said there was a Jewish influence, including Karl Marx, of a worldwide conspiracy for the overthrow of civilization and for the reconstitution of society on the basis of arrested development of envious malevolence and impossible equality. Kind of sounds like what's happening today. Agree with that or not? Should we not ban should, should, should we ban Winston Churchill? I mean, some people might want to ban Winston Churchill, but that sounds like a very similar thing to what Hitler wrote in Mein Kampf, doesn't it? Okay, well, maybe you're cool with banning Winston Churchill. How about Karl Marx or Che Guevara? Che Guevara and Karl Marx were absolutely disgusting racists, true racists. They hated black people. They hated Jewish people. They hated anybody who was not of their sector belief system. Karl Marx wrote about how terrible Jews were, how they were hucksters, and all they loved was money. He literally wrote these things. He wanted a clashing of the racist, of all the sexes, of all the religions, because that gave him more power and more control. He was obviously 
kind of like a trust fund kid. He never had a job in his life. He just mooched off of his friends. Che Guevara, he said that the Negro is lazy and indolent and spends all of his money on frivolous things. And he wrote a lot about how the Negro was a really, really lazy, bad person just because of the color of their skin. So if we're going to censor people based on associations or based on things they believed or wrote, Karl Marx and Che Guevara should also be censored. Otherwise, we're holding an outrageous double standard, which is the double standard being held for people like J.K. Rowling and her work. Because people really like Harry Potter, they've found in their heart and in their mind the ability to separate the art, Harry Potter, from the artist, J.K. Rowling, because she believes in science. Now, there are people calling for the banning of Harry Potter, and at least those people are consistent. The people that say, well, we should just separate the art from the artist. Okay, well, then separate Roald Dahl's work and Dr. Seuss and all that. And just, you know, if you're going to cancel somebody, cancel the person, keep the work. But no, they don't want to do that. It's a double standard, and it's supposed to be confusing. Some people get a pass. Others get banned. Others get censored. Others get discontinued. Others get rewritten. Now, imagine if these standards were applied to history, science, genetics, math, etc. What would be the consequences of that? I think you're already seeing the consequences of that. Think about that for a second. And also consider why some people are upset about the word fat when Augustus Gloop is a symbol that represents gluttony and he's supposed to be a symbol of don't be a glutton, okay? Or vanity, the little girl represents vanity. Don't be vain. Just don't do it. Don't be vain. That's a good lesson, right? It's a good lesson for kids. Instead, the people that are upset about that have no issue with uh, whatever the top pop songs are of the day, whatever the kids' books are. You know, 87% of the books that have been removed from schools in Florida are pornographic. It's not about, well, they're banning black history. No, actually, it's a law in Florida. You have to learn about slavery and black history, which isn't all slavery. You have to learn about the Holocaust. They're banning books that are blatantly pornographic and even homosexual pornographic, which is all the stuff that happened in Weimar Germany in the 20s, which is what Hitler wrote in Mein Kampf, if you read it. The same kind of thing that Winston Churchill was upset about. He just thought that his people were superior to the Germans, and he wanted nothing to do with them. There's a lot of context in history that is missing. But it's Roald Dahl that has to go... The big friendly censor is here to help censor and rewrite his books. But modern children's books can be filled with sex and porn and perversity and obscenity and hatred for parents. And that's all you see on the Disney Channel. And that's just fine. No issue with that. Our guest this evening is Greg from Pardon My American podcast. If you've never listened to Pardon My American, I assume many of you have. We've had Greg on the show before. He takes a look at trendy news topics fringe topics, and of course, the paranormal as well. Greg is also the host of Strange Sauna. I was just a guest on that recently, where he analyzes a, an array of topics like we do here on The Secret Teachings, paranormal, occult, conspiracies, true crime, something actually we don't cover here on the show, uh, and parapolitical content. Greg from Pardon My American, welcome back to The Secret Teachings. How are you? I'm doing very well, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me back. You're very welcome. I'm very happy to speak with you this evening. So what do you make of all of this? I just spent about 10 minutes breaking it down. What do you think? What can you add? What can you tell us? You know, it's exhausting, isn't it? I mean, the constant need to correct ourselves and apologize for 
even our potential to become offensive. Um, the, the words that we say today or even yesterday, they can become offensive overnight and we don't know exactly when or how that's going to happen. It seems to either be directed, whether it's, it's a phrase like you were saying that is, is found in a book from uh, several years ago, or it's somebody said something even in their history book. If you look at, um, who was the, uh, the judge, the Supreme court judge who was being scrutinized over his yearbook, you know, it's uh, it, it's one of those things where you wonder where this is all coming from and where it's leading to. And as far as the censorship goes, uh, what is the goal? Is the goal to confuse our youth? Is the, is it all about control to indoctrinate everybody into always being the victim? And if so, um, do we need the government to always be our parents? You know, that's what it feels like to me. It feels like there's a subversive movement politically, socially, and culturally that because of its influence and power uh, and its large, large control over media and social media, it's more so that that movement is controlling and persuading government and government officials that just want to be elected and want to look good in the public eye. Personally, I don't think it's coming from government. I think it's a subversive force that's undermining government. Uh, I, I, you know, does that, does that make sense? Cause I, I think that's really what it is. No. Oh, yeah. 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 Especially if you look at, um, you know, the United Nations, the WEF, the 17 goals for agenda 2030. Oh yes. Um, quality, quality education is one of those. And, you know, they want to make sure that it's inclusive and equitable, you know, and I, I know we were discussing this, um, offline here, but math has all of a sudden become racist. I yep. mean, this yep. was a thing a, a year or two, a couple of years ago where you had the Bill Gates funded course of this equitable math curriculum that was being uh, put out there by the education trust incorporation um, where it's not about these uh, advanced math classes. You know, we don't want those around now because we don't want people being left behind because, you know, it's about equitable outcomes, which this it's, you know, it doesn't work that way. You know, that's, that is the socialist or the communist. Idea. Wasn't that the George Bush education program? No child left behind. It kind of lowered the yeah. standards for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Oh, by the so, way, um, it was it was Brett Kavanaugh's yearbook. Is that the one you're referencing? Yes, that was him. Don't yep. you, okay, so don't you find that strange? Don't you find that interesting that Kavanaugh's yearbook, his one page is supposedly hurtful to women, according to the New York Times. I found an article. It's horrible and hurtful to women, what's said in the in the yearbook. But people like Justin Trudeau can do blackface, and he doesn't get censored or banned or canceled. He actually just gets to accumulate more power, ban people's guns, take their bank accounts away, and uh, reportedly, I have some friends in Canada, they're saying that they're going to take Social Security and other things away if they don't get vaccinated. They're trying to pass a law to do that in all of Canada. But Trudeau can do that in mm. blackface, and that's okay because apparently certain political views allow you to do blackface or have certain opinions that otherwise would be unacceptable. Exactly. Yeah, even um, Jimmy Kimmel back in the day, he used to do little skits as Carl Malone, the basketball player. Oh, yes. I remember that. He would, yeah. He, <laughs> he would dress up his, his whole body in black paint or uh, black makeup. And so, 
you know, and, and he is, he's an adored icon on the left. And so it's, it is, it is a uh, rules for the, not for me. And it's something that we've seen with mask mandates. It's something that we've seen with, um, you know, limiting the number of people with the whole, uh, the COVID restrictions as well. But when you look at, um, you know, even Hillary Clinton back in the day, I believe she was, she had a, a, a speech or something back in the early nineties where she referred to African Americans, the, the youth as super predators. I remember that too. Yes. And you know, is where is the outrage over Hillary referring to young black people as super predators? Have you ever you know? heard, heard the Joe Biden bits where he's talking about putting black people back in chains? He doesn't want black people to go to school with his daughters cause they'll rape him. Oh Yeah. Yeah, he's he's really creepy too. I mean, the the clip where he's talking about young black children uh, touching the leg hair I in learned, the pool. I learned I about mean, roaches. Yeah, and like, what are roaches, Joe? <laughs> what does that mean? No, you, you know? you're you're so, you're right. And so I want to ask you this question. I don't know how much you know about this, but there are certain things that if we go back and we scrutinize in the past, things that people have written or things that people have said, that can be a really sticky situation. We can lack context and that that's a bad idea. We don't want to do that. I don't, I don't like that idea, but if we're going to do that, we're going to be consistent about it. You bring up Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden. Those are good examples. Someone like Karl Marx was not just by association or out of context he was absolutely a flaming racist. He hated everybody who was not of his skin color and his affiliation. Karl Marx wrote about this extensively. He hated he hated the uh, uh, black people. He hated Jewish people, etc. And yet Karl Marx is like on the on the display case of every liberal bookstore I go into. Somehow he's not canceled, and that doesn't make any sense to me. He might have been one of the biggest anti-Semites and racists of the 20th century. And mo- a lot of people don't even know who Karl Marx is, even though they follow his doctrine. Shouldn't he be canceled too, Greg, if we're, we're not holding a double standard? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But I agree with you. I don't think anybody should be canceled. I, you know, I don't think the government or these regulatory agencies should serve as uh, our mommy and daddies. I think that we're all grown up, so we can decide what is offensive, what is not. And I did overhear you talking about Roald Dahl, um, the publisher of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, or is that the book you were discussing? Yeah, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. He also did James and the Giant Peach, Matilda, and some others. Those three books, though, are the ones that have been heavily, I'd say more heavily uh, redacted or rewritten. I get you. Yeah, because now this just came out this morning that the publisher has actually decided to keep the original text, but they're going to do so separately. So they're going to have the Roald Dahl classic collection and readers will now be free to choose if you want the, uh, you know, the original text, which has all those dangerous words like fat, as you mentioned, <laughs> yeah. or you yeah. can, you can go the safer route if you want to be protected and you want to feel all warm and cozy inside and yeah. Now, which, which publisher, which publisher is that? Is that Puffin or Penguin? Because Penguin said this morning that they're going to publish the classic books and have those uh, available as originally written. So this was Puffin. 
Puffin did announce that they will have two different versions so available. They're, so they're going to, so you're going to be able to go to the store and you're going to be able to buy the original and where you're going to be able to buy the, the slightly rewritten version that won't be as quote unquote offensive. Exactly. Now this is where I'm always curious to see where the trends go because you know, I, I think a lot of people speak with their dollars, you know, and, and you know, where, where the money goes, you'll see where the trend supports. Now, if, if the original classics just, you know, skyrocket, you know, they're selling the books off the shelves, you know, at uh, neck break speed. I just, I want to see where does the censorship take everybody and And what do they do with it? You know, if it's not making them money, why are they still pushing this? Well, that's the question I always have, whether that's in the porn industry or that's in the, the Hollywood entertainment industry, the music industry. A lot of these big companies like big production houses in Hollywood, they lose hundreds of millions of dollars with the production and the distribution and the ads for all these movies. Very few people go to see them compared to other movies. And they somehow have all this money to keep making the same movies with the same ideas. And, and you're right. Where is that money coming from? But I'm also thinking that it's very possible, and I think that this is an extremely objective thing that rarely gets acknowledged on radio or anywhere else, this idea that perhaps the idea of censorship is in and of itself a sales tactic. Because you know, as soon as you as a publisher say, we're going to censor these books, what's going to happen? People are going to go out and they're going to buy the the original books. And these companies are going to make a lot of extra money because, oh no, they're going to be censored. I better go buy them. I think that's part of it too. I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a sales tactic. Yeah, I guess that makes sense in the short term. Um, you know, long term that, that doesn't seem as a, a long, long term goal there for the, the sales. But yeah, I mean, in the, in the short term, you can kind of gather them up as collector's items, I guess, and try to make money on Amazon or eBay, you know, just sell them as a collectible. Somebody's making money somewhere that, that, I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's kind of the point I'm making is there's a way to make money off of the censorship, which is what's created so much alternative media and so many, uh, you know, new people that have opinions on this kind of stuff. I mean, look at the podcast world. It's exploded in the last 10 years because of censorship. I mean, that's just kind of, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like the free market of ideas. And that's a positive thing. That's a good, that's a good thing, making money and building something, not a bad thing. Uh, but yes, certainly not in the long run, in the short term, it's definitely a way to make money. That might not be the, the motivation behind it, uh, but to sell both versions of it, you know, you're probably, you're going to appeal to two large audiences and people like myself, I don't have any of his books, but I, it's almost like I feel like I should go buy a copy now because of this. So that, that's what makes me think that because I'm, I try to keep a very minimal, um, amount of items in my possession, uh, here in studio, but I sometimes think, Maybe I should go buy a copy of that because they're going to censor it. So if I'm thinking that, I bet a bunch of other people are thinking the same thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and it's, uh, it reminds me of um, back in, in 2020 when you had the removal of black people from certain products like Uncle Ben's, Aunt Jemima, um, the cream of wheat, Miss Buttersworth, all of that. They, took, they took the Indian and, off the land, O'Lakes, kept the land, yeah. took the Indian. <laughs> yeah. But then what's left is you have all of the, the white face, they, you know, have the, the Quaker oat guy, you know what I mean? You just, you have, you, you take away the diversity on all these products and you leave nothing but white people as the face 
of all of these products. You're so right. So you're really, you're creating this racist hole by trying to indoctrinate people with this. So, oh yeah, yeah. Black people shouldn't be on these, these products because it's racist. But then isn't it racist to not have them on products too and not represent these products? Right. And that's, that's precisely what I said about dolls, Charlie and the chocolate factory that they said the Oompa Loompas in the news, it was like Oompa Loompas are racist and offensive because they're based on African pygmies. Well, where else are African pygmies represented in, in literature? Probably not many places. So by eliminating that and just calling them tiny people, isn't that kind of like just censoring a group of, of minorities? And that's exactly what I think you're describing uh, with, uh, you're 100% right. Quaker Oats gets to stay there, but the Indian has to go and the and Jemima has to go. Uh, I'm Ryan Gable. Mm-hmm. This is The Secret Teachings. Greg from Pardon My American is with us. Good stuff, Greg. We'll be back with Greg in a second. Uh, another hour coming up. After this, don't go anywhere. From the occult and theology to history and the paranormal, the Secret Teachings Radio Show brings you that and more Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking to learn more in 2023, then look no further than books from The Secret Teachings. The Technological Elixir explores UFOs, artificial intelligence, and demonic contracts in the entertainment industry. Liberty Shrugged is an illuminating and nonpartisan look into American history, focusing on natural law, slavery, and the war for independence. Food philosophy is not a diet book, but it does help alleviate confusion over food industry propaganda with specific focus on bizarre ingredients that are put into your foods. And Occult Arcana is a compendium of esoteric wisdom, from theology and sympathetic magic to witchcraft, voodoo, and the origins of holidays. Get physical and digital copies of these books only at www.thesecretteachings.info. And remember, all physical books also come with a digital copy as well. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Dot Radio and for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. Your support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is Laura. I'm from Las Vegas, and I listen to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable because he never fails to provide us with great information from various topics on which he's done extensive and thorough research to back them. Thank you for all that you do and all your hard work, Ryan, and thank you for sharing it with the rest of us. This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Why else would you show up with that thing on your back just three days before President Business is going to use the crackle to end the world? President Business is going to end the world? But he's such a good guy. And Octan, they make good stuff. Music, dairy products, coffee, TV shows, surveillance systems, all history books, voting machines. Wait a minute. Welcome to the darkness. I hope you find it enlightening. Think about your hero. When you're at ground zero and call up to the follow back to me. 
Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us. Hour number two tonight. TheSecretTeachings.info is the website. You can subscribe to our ad-free show there. Get a copy of one of my books. Subscriptions and books are the way that we keep this show on air Monday through Friday, five nights a week. Ground Zero Radio is the network, or you're listening in the free archive, and we get paid for that. So thank you so much for listening or downloading the show. And if you'd like to contact me, you can email me at rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. Tonight is the Big Friendly Censor. We're speaking with Greg from Pardon My American Podcast. You know, Dr. Seuss has been discontinued. At least a couple of Dr. Seuss books have been discontinued over insensitive imagery a couple of years ago. We've had calls to ban Certain songs like White Christmas is racist because why can't it be a black Christmas? Some people actually believe that and say that. Now we have the books of Roald Dahl, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, very, very classic books, James and the Giant Peach. They're not really being rewritten per se. It's more like a beta test for rewriting. But certain words are being changed. And although his books are meant to convey positive moral messages to children. Certain words are considered offensive by sensitivity readers, so they're being changed like fat for Augustus Gloop. He's actually just enormous, which I feel like enormous is uh, kind of beating around the bush, if you will, and that's enormous. I mean, if I was overweight and I used to be in high school, enormous kind of sounds more offensive than fat. Fat is just quick. It's to the point. It's harsh. It's like... George Carlin said, shell shock. It's right there. Fat. Enormous sounds, in my opinion, a little more offensive, but sensitivity readers have deemed that it's less offensive. Of course, when you take into consideration uh, the fact that the people that want to do this are essentially nameless and faceless ghouls that get to decide what is acceptable and what's not acceptable, that's a really dangerous precedent to set. But the people that are upset... I included, I'm upset, I don't think we should be censoring these people. For that matter, I don't think that we should censor or ban Karl Marx, even though Karl Marx was an anti-Semite and a racist. And if Roald Dahl is supposedly a racist and an anti-Semite, as we discussed earlier, and he his work gets to be rewritten or banned, perhaps, uh, like Dr. Seuss, then Karl Marx should be banned. But I'm not really for banning anybody. I think we should allow the work, whether it's art, whether it's literature, whether it's outrageous, destructive political opinions, uh, we should allow them in the free marketplace of ideas because you know when people really understand what Karl Marx is about, they're probably not going to support Karl Marx. And when people really understand what Roald Dahl's books were supposed to convey, they'll probably like his work because it it's a it's a good moral lesson, at least in, in most of his work. I'm not saying he was a great guy. I'm just saying we either have everybody censored and banned or n- nobody censored and banned. And there's a, there's, a, there's a slight 
difference, though, when you're talking about banning things, like if you look at the state of Florida, my home state, the media constantly tells you they're banning books there. They're not actually banning books. They're just removing 87% of books removed from schools in the last two years, I think it was, were pornographic and obscene. Things that are not age appropriate to the people that are looking at them, relatively speaking. Are you going to give your child hardcore pornography? Probably not. That's not LGBTQ. That's not equality. That's just obscene. And that's, in most people's views, that's that's kind of wrong. Whether you're left, right, or Christian or not, that, that's, that's usually wrong. You don't give your kids pornographic material, especially at a very young age. It confuses them. It messes them up. It rewires the brain. So getting rid of those things, it's not really banning those forms of material. Uh, it's more like, preventing children from seeing things that they probably shouldn't see. You probably shouldn't give a kid a gun. You probably shouldn't let a kid drive a car. You probably shouldn't show a kid hardcore pornography, especially when it's not even male and female. It's women, women, man, man. It's even more confusing to to a child. So there's something of a difference between the two things. Now, Greg, our guest this evening from Pardon My American podcast, he was talking in the last segment about, um, and we were talking off, off air, we were talking in the last segment about how Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben, you know, Lando Lakes, the, the, the butter, these are offensive brands because of the images or the, you know, the characters that they portray. So what has the mob done? They've actually removed the black and the Indian characters, and now they've left us with pretty much all white characters, you know, unless they're cartoons like the Trix Rabbit. So they're pretty much just white people left. We took the land and got rid of the Indian, right? We got rid of the black people and we kept the product. And that seems really strange to me. Greg is spot on about that. Now, when we're talking about censorship, we were talking on the break about, uh, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, Janet Jackson. And I talked about Janet Jackson recently and about the uh, FCC complaints against that Super Bowl halftime show against Beyonce's halftime show Uh, Rihanna's halftime show this year and also complaints against the Grammys for Sam Smith and also for the the WAP performance was that last year or the year before last or something there have always been FCC complaints about things like that and I don't know about you Greg but I find there to be a, a slight bit of a difference between someone being offended over the word fat and replacing it with enormous and people that think it's okay to have the most obscene things given to children there's a big there's a big difference between the two things one is something we probably should be upset about the other one not so much i'm not really upset that fat is changed with enormous but i'm more upset that the people that are okay with that are somehow okay with whopping at the grammys and the most obscene perverse material giving to kids they're not upset about that they're just upset about the word fat there's a weird double standard there and, and, and uh, I think we can probably use our energy a little bit more um, efficiently. But your thoughts, your feelings, Craig. I, you know what? I totally forgot about the WAP performance. And my goodness, yes. Like, uh, if, you're, if you're worried about the word fat or, or uh, you know, something else in these books and you're okay with WAP being performed, <laughs> yeah, we, we have a problem here. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, the, it's the same thing with the, the drag queen story time for children. My God. I mean, you have uh, these drag queens coming into school, teaching children about sexuality, 
first of all, it's none of their damn business. These are children. Uh, the school should stay out of those types of conversations that should be between children and their parents. Um, I remember when I went to school, the closest thing that we got to sex education was, you know, here's how you use protection. Here's what to do. Uh, if, if you get into a situation where you have to say no, and, and it's more just like defensive mechanisms, like here's how to take care of your body. Here's hygiene. And yeah, you know, like the, the basics, we weren't talking about what your pronouns were. We weren't talking about here's how to dress like a girl. If you're a boy, uh, you know, and, and all of this, I'm looking at this as like, it just causes confusion. And I'm, I'm thinking like, if, what is the point? Right. So the point I think is to confuse children, to confuse society as a whole to divide everybody, to keep everybody bickering over these nonsensical topics. I mean, that's the class thing. Yeah. Like that's the class right? warfare of Karl Marx, perpetual class warfare, always keep people separated and divided. That will allow the state to maintain power. Mm-hmm. And while you're doing this, you're censoring everybody. You're telling them what they can and what they can't say. You're doing this online sort of book burning as, as I've heard it referred to as, you know, when you're referring online content, uh, from being discussed, you know, I think that sunlight is the best disinfectant. I know that phrase gets thrown out there. It's, it's kind of, uh, just diluted at this point, but the, the best battle against bad speech is free speech. And when you take everything and you funnel it away from everybody, like you were saying, I, I, you're trying to hide information from people. And, and the one thing that I noticed that the kids do is when you hide things from them, they will try to find ways to go find it. You know, it's, it's, it's like, um, it's like a game to them. It's, it's the thing that you either take away the information and you make it so desirable because they're curious. They're, they're like, what are you trying to hide? Why do you not want me to see this? It's like hide it's and seek. Sleeping, it's a game. Yeah, you're right. It's a game. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, it reminds me of Sleeping Beauty. I don't know if you ever listened to Jordan Peterson. Yes, I do. I do. In some of his old lectures, because he always equates Disney, uh, Disney movies to either uh, old mythological stories. Um, but he was talking about Sleeping Beauty and uh, it, was either, it was either Sleeping Beauty or it was Snow White, <clears throat> where... At her birthday, she didn't want to invite, I, I believe it might have been, um, it might have been, ooh, is either the, way. Is this the one with the, to, the fairies? Because that's. Well, they didn't want to invite um, Maleficent, whoever, whatever story has Maleficent in it. And because they did, they wanted to avoid their child from seeing the bad in the world. And so they, they shut off all of this, the bad information from their daughter thinking that they can control her life, making sure that she sees nothing but good grace and she's perfectly, uh, you know, protected from evil. But meanwhile, she becomes curious, the child, and she pricks her finger on, you know, whatever it is, and then she falls into a deep sleep. Yeah, this is the Sleeping Beauty story, and it's, it's I think it's, uh, it's planetary spirits in the original story, and they don't invite Saturn, and Saturn gets upset and curses the child. But yeah, that that's the story that that you're talking about, I think. 
and it doesn't end well. Right. So whenever you try to hide or yeah, so you, you can't, um, you have to have everything available for everybody to, to decide what's good and what's bad, because how, how do you know what's really bad if, if you can't determine what's bad, you know, if you can't see it, then you can't really distinguish what's bad and what's good. And you, you can't really appreciate the good, right? Because you need that bad there to kind of equal everything out. Have you seen the TV show Black Mirror? There's an episode of Black Mirror where this mom takes, I think it's an implant they put in her daughter and it blocks out things like the neighbor's barking dog. It blurs it out in her vision. And then like the, I think the, yep. ta- the tablet gets broken. So then she goes through life. She's, she can't see anything that's perceived as bad. Yeah, I actually love that show. Um, I recommend a lot of people to go watch that. There's some episodes that are kind of hit and miss, but the really good ones make you think, and they're they're honestly scary. They're terrifying. Of, yeah, they're terrifying. They're coming true. And yeah, that, that one where, yeah, you're, you're blocking out the perception. I believe you actually had her her father was blocked out. Right. Because the mom programmed because they had a divorce or something and the, the mom programmed her daughter not to be able to see her father or something like that. But yeah, Black Mirror is terrifying because there's a lot of, of things that they have foreseen, supposedly. It looks like they, they actually are predicting the future, almost like Simpson style esque. But yeah, the, like the social credit score, the AI involvement. Um, the robotic dogs that are guarding, you know, material at warehouses and whatnot. Yeah. Those, yeah, are the, it, those it, are the spot a- minis. Those are the spot minis from Boston dynamics. They, that wasn't predictive. They got information on those just like the X-Files did with their new season. They knew those were uh, going to be made public. I, I know that for sure. I researched that, but yeah, otherwise a lot of it seems very predictive. I get you. Yeah. So my, my whole thing is this, where did this whole idea of censorship begin? Why is it continually being deployed? And, and yes, we can say controlling the, the ideas, controlling the narrative, making sure everybody sticks on point. So that way you can keep them divided, keep them controlled and bickering over these nonsensical, you know, these, these minute details, you know, should we use the word fat? Should we not use any, you know, who cares? Like, what is the point of this? Do you think? Well, I think it's the idea of feelings over facts and rather than direct mm-hmm. directionalizing our civilization, our society, our culture, the movement of, of progress forward in some direction to some destination. Uh, if we replace the vehicle of fact and common sense and logic and reasoning, which people have always interpreted as being God. That's what the idea of God is. And we replace that with feelings. Then we're really replacing God with the devil in, you know, dichotomy terms. We're replacing angelic divine forces with demonic forces. We're replacing fact with feelings and feelings will drive us off of a cliff. Feelings are not emotions, uh, are not a, a thing that can allow us to proceed forward, to grow, to develop, etc with any kind of balance or objectivity, uh, feelings and emotions, if they control us, they make us, I would say, even less so, uh, less human, less, um, less than even animal. Uh, in the mystery schools of Greece and Rome, uh, various cultures throughout the world, Greg, conquering emotions is one of the first steps to spiritual 
uh, advancement or enlightenment uh, in any capacity. If you just want to become a better person, to pray, to meditate, you have to conquer your emotions. I mean, that that's like the foundation of Star Wars, right? Are you want to be a Jedi, you have to learn to control your feelings and your emotions, or you can never tap into the Force. It's a very old concept. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're actually inverting. If we change the direction and the vehicle from fact to feeling, from fact or common sense to emotion, then we're really changing uh, the progress toward a, a, a built-up civilized world into the opposite of that. We're not going to heaven, we're going to hell, whatever you want to say, but we're, we're overturning the entire cart. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at how politicians utilize emotions, they, they use emotions to pass laws immediately. And I mean, one, one thing comes to my mind is just gun bans. Uh, whenever there's a mass shooting, they take the emotion of the event to push an agenda, which is to limit magazine size, take away guns, uh, I mean, just whatever it is, they use emotional events to drive policies. That's a, you know, that's an interesting, uh, an interesting thing I've thought about. I've talked about on the show before when there is some kind of, you know, there's shootings all the time, but the media only picks up on certain ones. And if the shooter's not the right color, then they drop it, et cetera. But you know, a lot, a lot of times when that happens, you have, well, politicians that want to ban or they want to prevent people from being able to buy a certain magazine capacity or ammunition or whatever, whatever the law is that they're pushing, whatever the ideas that they're pushing, uh, that's always based on the dead kids or the dead black people or the dead whatever. But it's for some, for some reason when people push back against that and say, well, I don't, don't use the situation to push your political agenda then that, that peop, the people that are pushing that political agenda will say, oh, well, the people on the right that like guns, they're exploiting the kids to advance their pro-gun agenda. And, you know, that might actually be the case, but the, the bottom line is the people on the left that push the anti-gun agenda are using the dead kids or dead black people or whatever to push their political agenda. Both sides do it. One's just maybe a little more extreme than the other. They're both using the situation mm-hmm. for political advantage. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, I think one of the biggest benefactors of whenever you have policymakers pushing gun laws is, uh, I mean, the NRA. I mean, how many guns get sold whenever a politician comes out saying they want to ban guns? Immediately, you have a wave of people going out and buying guns. Censorship is the sales tactic, like I said earlier. Yep, you're 100% right. People go, the guns, gun sales skyrocket. Whether it's Obama or mm-hmm. Biden or whoever, anytime anybody, even if it's just a lone congressperson or senator, you know, they're just like, yeah, we should get get rid of guns. Suddenly, gun sales skyrocket. I, I've even read a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of people, including Obama when he was president, they ha- they have stock in gun companies, ammunition companies, because they're they're making a boatload when they come out against guns or ammunition or whatever. Yep, you just have to follow the trend. I mean, <laughs> it happens every time, seemingly. Um, but as far as the emotion goes, uh, do you think that that is what they are trying to do? They're trying to trick everybody's emotions, um, get everybody in this emotional state, keep them in this emotional state. So that way they can keep them further away from logic and use these emotional events to drive either policy changes that kind of fit their worldwide agenda. As you said, that these are, 
uh, faceless, nameless entities that are kind of pushing these agendas. What, what, how do you think the emotion fits into this? Well, I think it's kind of like Sun Tzu. It's the art of war, uh, the art of the culture war, the art of, uh, the art of um, class warfare. And it's really just using your, you know, your enemy or the, the group momentum uh, against them. You know, you can use people's emotions to push them in a certain direction because people on the left or right are going to be really angry about this or that. So you can use that to and use their momentum to get them to go where you want them to go. That's in a cage for the mind or body or that's off a cliff. That's that's my feelings. It's just the art of class warfare, if you will. What do you think? Yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. It's us versus them, left versus right, blue versus red. It's just, it's like an NFL game, if you think about it. And, you know, it's, I think that we purposefully, or not we, but the powers that be purposefully went to two specific political parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, for a reason, at least in this country. Because one, it's easy. You can choose, you know, this one or that one. And two, it, it creates this, you know, this team or this battle kind of a political battle arena where you always have the left and the right, where the left has to be this, this conscientious, always thinking about the feelings, always thinking about the morality and things, even though they have, you know, uh, drag queen story times and, you know, they're, they're doing WAP on stage at the Grammys or wherever the heck it was, you know, it's, it's morality to a certain point at least. And then you have the right, which is, uh, you know, the, the heavily Christian faith, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that if, if that's your thing. And, um, but then you have kind of the strict, uh, I don't want to say dictatorship, but you have a lot of stricter rules to follow, right? And so, I don't know, it, it seemed like the left versus the right, you have this, no one's really, no one knows how to handle things the correct way but they're, they're always battling and it seems like they switch back and forth now because when I was growing up, support of big pharma, support of the government, the FBI, the intelligence agencies, the military industrial complex, that, that was not coming from the Democrats. Like the Democrats were against all of that. They were, po- they were opposed to, bi- the, to big business and war. Yeah. And now it's just, it's fascinating to see within my lifetime. I mean, I'm 37, but when I was in high school, uh, you know, we were going into Iraq and, you know, in 2003, the, the big push was, okay, that's what Democrats did not want to go to war because, you know, you had big, bad, uh, George Bush going to war and you're going, well, wait a second, why are we doing this? There's no, there's no, no blood weapons for, of mass destruction. No blood for oil. Right. And, you know, and that's when, you know, you had the, uh, the big libertarian movement, Ron Paul come in and, 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 you know, I'm a big fan of Ron Paul, a big fan of libertarianism, but you can tell why they wanted to squash that down because that was a real grassroots movement driven off of emotion, but also driven off of logic. And you had the perfect blend in this liberal or uh, libertarian idealism where you're looking at, okay, can we just analyze the facts of why our enemies want to kill us? Because what are we doing to them? 
you know, there's two sides in a war, there's two sides to a conversation. And I feel like that's, that's kind of what we're doing to ourselves right now, but it's just fascinating to see everything flip on itself. You know, that the Democrats now support big business. They're supporting uh, big pharma. They're supporting, um, I mean, you name it, censorship. And that just was never the case, you know, 20 years ago. Even 10 years ago, I don't know. I feel like things have changed that rapidly. I mean, what it is, is a, it's a war-driven form of governance. We're at war with this other political party. We're at war with uh, some foreign enemy. We're at war with domestic extremists. We're at war. It's a war on education, a war on drugs, a war on homelessness, a war on this, a war on that. It's a war-driven form of governance in, in, in every way, in every shape, in every form, Greg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the scary part about that is how do you define what the enemy is? Because it's just a, a never-ending war at that point. Like the war on terrorism, what does that mean? You, you, what do you realize look like? You realize that, yeah, I was thinking this last night, actually, because I was I was thinking about Ukraine because I did a show in Ukraine last night, more of like an occult show about in bulk in the month of February. And I was thinking mm. it used to be, you know, there was a defined enemy, you know, and then it was like, OK, so like communist Soviets, Soviet Union. And then it's like, OK, it's just terrorist, which is a little bit more vague. And now it's just we don't even have an enemy. It's just Russia generally is bad, but all the money needs to go to Ukraine and we don't even know what's going on. It's just like an endless war, an endless financing of, of, of conflict. But we don't even have a vague idea of who the enemy is. I mean, Putin is just like this symbol, but we've gone from like a defined enemy to a vague enemy to a symbol of an enemy to basically there's no enemy. It's just it's just the military industrial complex runs everything. And for some reason, the Democrats who used to hate the military industrial complex are the biggest supporters of it. And Republicans are calling to end war. You're right. It's very bizarre, very strange. Yeah. And, and the actual Ukraine war, you know, how do we decide that Ukraine is all of a sudden the good guy? I mean, before this war started, I, I knew very little about Ukraine, still kind of don't know that much about Ukraine but I'm not saying that they're going to be the good guy in this. I'm not saying that Russia is definitely the good guy, but what we've been sold this whole time is, you know, Putin has always been the bad guy. That's been the story of my life. I've heard that just all the time, but you also get, you know, Trump was this bad, evil, big, bad wolf. And then you see what he was doing for the economy, how good the economy was doing. And, and you can argue, yeah, that it was, it's a big bubble. You know, the, the dollar will eventually collapse and Trump made that worse. You could argue that as well. But when you look at um, just how do they decide who the good guys and the bad guys are? That's where I really kind of dig in and go, okay, well, so why is Putin the bad guy? Because he's trying to defend his nation from the ever encroaching United Nations, which he was told that would never expand, but it's expanded exponentially surrounding his borders. We, we, so why would he not protect that? No, we, we, we got to go to break, Greg. I'm sorry to cut you off, but you're right. In fact, I went, I went through a whole pile of papers last night, old papers from like 11, 12 years ago. And I found a, a New York uh, Post magazine that was all about how evil Ahmadinejad was in Iran and you know, then Gaddafi's evil and oh my God, it's Saddam's evil. And it just, it goes, it goes back, it goes forward. It's just all the, the, the face of evil. It's like that neocon enemy image. 
and now it's a neoliberal enemy image, and both sides are pro-war. It's very strange. Greg from Pardon My American Podcast is with us. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. Final segment coming up. Don't go anywhere. It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on GroundZero.radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player, or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to the secret teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's the secret teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is David John Oates from ReverseSpeech.com. You are listening to The Secret Teaching with Ron Gable. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Almost a decade ago, nine years ago, the Guardian newspaper posted an interview with NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden. You remember Edward Snowden? A lot of people probably don't. But Edward Snowden worked at the National Security Agency. He came forward and exposed all the spying and a lot of the corruption, how people were using the NSA to spy on their boyfriends and girlfriends and to harass people and all that. And Edward Snowden said, you can go listen to the 12 minute and 34 second interview. If you type in Edward Snowden, NSA whistleblower, Guardian on YouTube or anywhere on the internet. And Edward Snowden says in this interview that the whole purpose of this spy program, and I actually interviewed Bill Binney, who, who ran the security agencies during the Cold War, I think like six, seven, seven years ago, I interviewed Bill Benny, and he said that the whole system, you know, with the, it's just to gather data, it's population control. And this is what Edward Snowden confirmed nine years ago. Edward Snowden said that the whole system is set up 
so that when they gather all this data, all this information in real time and in the past, that they will be able to go back in time and use the information to scrutinize everything you've ever done and then apply that to the present. And Greg, from part of my American podcast, our guest this evening, Greg, that is exactly what is happening today. Going back in the past 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you tweeted something, you put something on Facebook, you said something, you wrote something that we don't agree with today. And so you have to be canceled, censored, banned, etc. for that. I think that's exactly what's happening. Edward Snowden said it about a decade ago. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And if you look at all of these social media companies, uh, what do you think that they're being used for? All of your data is being collected, analyzed, being sold, being monitored. And it, it, not even just social media apps, but just your phone alone. Movement. Wherever you go with your cell phone, you are being tracked 100%. And if you say something, if you do something um, outside of the law, they can actually use your phone records, you know, subpoena your phone records. Uh, like say if you get into a car accident, they can subpoena your phone records to see how fast you were going because you had access to Google Maps or something or you allowed Google Maps to access your phone and to track your movement in your car. And they can prove, yeah, you were going over the speed limit and you crashed into this other car. So it's, it's the same thing. It's this constant monitoring, but we do it electively now. We, it's not just the government doing it secretively behind this, uh, the, the operation prism. It's now we're allowing ourselves to become monitored by choosing these apps on our cell phones, choosing them on our computers, having Alexa within our house. I mean, who, who knows what Alexa is picking, picking up and what they can use that in a court of law if they need to. Well, that's, there's been some cases of uh, people, uh, I think it was, was in the South, I forget the state, there was a murder investigation and uh, Amazon didn't want to turn over the, the data because they knew that if they turned it over, you know, for the Alexa that uh, the public would find out that Alexa listens to everything. And it's not just when you say, hey, Alexa, play this, or Alexa, what's the temperature? It's, it's always listened to everything, and now it's just common knowledge it listens to everything. It's just the incremental process. Like, Greg, I used to tell people, because I worked um, in electronics at Target many, many, many years ago, and I was like a team lead or something, whatever they call it, and I used to tell people when they'd come in to buy a TV, they'd say, what's the better TV? Smart TV or regular TV? And i tell them, well, I mean, I guess it's more new technology for the smart TV, but I just go with the regular TV. It's cheaper. It's the same quality. You don't have to worry about things breaking internally. You can just get, if you want a fire stick, get a fire stick and plug it in. But I said the smart TVs, they spy on you. And people were always just so like, well, what are you talking about? And I would show them on the internet, Samsung's website or whatever the website of the company was, it showed in their privacy page. It says, we listen and monitor conversations. We There's cameras in some of the TVs. We watch what you do we turn this over to third-party law enforcement or third-party companies. We sell the information. Be aware that if you buy this product, this is what happens. And I remember I got in trouble for that from, from management, but that's on the website of the companies that sold those things. But that used to be a, a wild conspiracy theory, but now it's just common knowledge. And you're right, we just download and click accept terms and services, whatever the agreement is. We got to play that new game or we got to download that new app. We, we do it willingly now. And this is, again, this has also happened, just like the shift from, you know, politics, pe certain liberals supporting 
are not supporting war, not supporting big corporations. Now they support war and support big corporations. In that same time frame, we've gone from nobody listens to me to it's okay if they listen to me because I want specialized advertisements sent to me. It's a very short time frame. We've seen this happen. Yeah, and I, I've always heard the term that, um, you know, if the product is free, then you are the product. And so always be very weary of what you put on your on your phone, in your house, I mean, even in your car. And, and that leads into, you know, looking at Tesla, looking at why Elon Musk bought Twitter. And I think you're absolutely right. Your, your analysis of why Elon bought Twitter, I think it's for the data. Absolutely. Why would it not be? I mean, that is so powerful. The amount of data and the interactions between humans, bots and humans, humans and humans, um, that is an untapped or not untapped, but, uh, just never ending resource that he could utilize for whatever AI bot that he wants to generate and make it as close to human as possible through all of that data interaction. Whether it's Optimus, his Optimus robot or whatever it is, you're right. Yeah. The data that drives the modern age information data. Absolutely. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and same with Tesla's. I think that those vehicles are really data collection uh, devices. I mean, they have uh, cameras. Have you ever been in a Tesla? I've only seen inside of one, like in person, never been inside one though. So yeah, it, it's, it's not that impressive. I will put it that way. Um, seem kind of flimsy. Part of my American. Seem, seem kind of yeah, flimsy. They're, they're very flimsy. Yeah. Dave hates Tesla. He's like, dude, they're garbage. Uh, I've been in one and yeah, you, they, they look like they can just fall apart in an instant, but they're just monitoring devices. They have numerous cameras all around the vehicle inside the vehicle. They have temperature monitoring devices on the steering wheel to monitor whether or not you're holding onto the steering wheel. Same thing with your car seat, your, your, um, data information on your seat belt. I mean, there's a lot of just, they are monitoring you 100% to see exactly what you're doing, why you're doing it. And th they do it to predict what you're going to do next. Yep. And so they have like predictive braking. Uh, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable, but I don't know how anybody would want to consciously do that. You know, I guess it's even, I mean, I, I can't say, but some people buy them just because they have the money to buy them. And what else am I going to do with this money? I might as well buy a Tesla. Uh, I, I guess other, some people really do love, love those kinds of things. I mean, I'm a, I'm like an 08, 09 Toyota Corolla guy. Uh, I, I mm -hmm. never buy something like a Tesla, even if I had the money, but some people genuinely love that kind of stuff. They love the new cell phones when they come out and all the new fancy technology, the smart watches. And I, I, I can't really speak for those people, but I know some people just like legitimately love that. I guess they just don't think that there's any downside to it. Like it's all beneficial. It's all positive. It's all there to help me. It's all there to make my life yeah. easier. Yep. And, and the one thing that I always get is, you know, I don't care if people are spying on me. I'm not doing anything bad. And I go, well, not yet, but you don't know if you're doing something today that can be deemed as bad tomorrow. Yes. And that's the most, exactly what you were saying right now is that that's what Edward Snowden was. He revealed is that that's what our government was doing is they're capturing everything. So that way in the future, if they decide something is deemed unacceptable, they can trace your history all the way back and capture you in this moment 
and call you out. If you are in the position of power where you're not going against, or you're, you're not going with their, their operation and you're going against the green, they can utilize your history against you. So, so I have two things I want to add to this. This happened to me the other day. Uh, I was on social media, on Facebook, promoting the show. And I got into a conversation with somebody, just a little, you know, comment section conversation uh, of a post. Uh, I don't remember what the post was about, but they they had said that I was, you know, I'm a crazy right wing conspiracy theorist because I I disagreed with whatever their post was. And I was I was nice. I just simple statement that I made. Uh, Bottom line is the point is it was like an hour or so later, I get this notification from from Facebook that a post of mine has been flagged. And I thought, did these people go to my account and flag, flag a post because they didn't like that I disagreed with their, whatever their their post, it was like some communist thing, and so, which mm-hmm. is what communists do. They go and they, they do this kind of thing. So I get this notification from 2018, I posted something, and it was a swastika, and I asked the question, and the caption was, can somebody, it's sincerely, can somebody tell me why this symbol is more offensive than the hammer and sickle? And because I posted this five years ago, I got a 30-day ban on Facebook. And, and okay, so, so it's like that that's just a simple example. A lot of people have experienced that with Facebook. A lot of people have experienced that with Twitter. But what happens when that applies to a job? Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Johnson. You said something in 2006 uh, that we didn't like in a phone call, so you don't get the job. And that's, that's essentially what this, this is about, the ultimate form of control and I have right here Edward Snowden in this uh, clip explaining this. I finally found the clip explaining this uh, exactly uh, along the lines of what we're talking about here. Take a listen to this. People care about surveillance. Because even if you're not doing anything wrong, you're being watched and recorded. And the, the storage capability of these systems increases every year consistently by orders of magnitude. Uh, to where it's getting to the point you don't have to have done anything wrong. You simply have to eventually fall under suspicion from somebody, even by a wrong call. And then they can use the system to go back in time and scrutinize every decision you've ever made, every friend you've ever discussed something with, and attack you on that basis to sort of derive suspicion from an innocent life and paint anyone in the context of a wrongdoer. One of the truest things that I think has ever been stated in the 21st century. That is precisely how the system operates. Like or dislike him, think he's real or not, that is exactly what's happening, Greg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and I think that, you know, Edward Snowden, I don't, is he still over in Russia? The last time I checked, he is, but I, that could have changed. I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, it, it's just, you know, what he exposed was, uh, you know, ground shaking. It still is to this day, but you know, people are willingly accepting this stuff now uh, you know, that they're putting this stuff on their phones, even though they know it's tracking their every move. And have you ever heard of life log, the, the DARPA project life log? I've heard of it. Yes. I, I don't know much about it, but I've heard of it. I've heard the name. Yeah. So suppose I don't honestly, I don't know that much about it too, but supposedly it was canceled. And then the day after that, Facebook was launched. And so there's a lot of the conspiracy or hearsay, you know, you could take it either, either way you'd like that the Pentagon or, or the uh, DARPA program 
basically canceled this life log project, which was aimed at, you know, gathering everything that an individual says, does, sees, uh, every phone call that you make, the TV shows that you watch, the magazines that you read, everything. So your emails, all that stuff. Now it was this big data collection, data mapping, um, kind of project. And I don't know if it was used as like a, an app or whatnot, but it was canceled. And then all of a sudden you had Facebook come out. So it's like the beta the test. Of, right. It, it, that's what I was thinking is like, they do this behind the closed doors behind this, you know, it's like a closed off intranet where you have it as a controlled environment to see exactly what you can do. Exactly. A beta test where you have validation testing on it. And, then all of a sudden they released this gigantic app. Facebook is probably the biggest app in the world other than, I don't know if TikTok has surpassed it yet, but that's what I've heard is that you have this Facebook and these social media companies are serving as this uh, DARPA slash exactly what Edward Snowden just revealed right there. They're, they're data monitoring devices to capture everything about you to derive all of your secrets to derive suspicion out of an otherwise innocent life. You don't have to be guilty of anything. And I remember a time when people said, nobody's spying on you. Nobody's listening to you as a conspiracy theory. And then it's like, okay, they are listening. They are spying, but who are they really? I mean, it's not really a big deal. I'm not doing anything wrong. And then it's like, well, actually I'm okay with them listening to me and spying on me because I want targeted advertisements. Now it's just such a part of life. Nobody even asks that question, it's just an accepted part of life. Like I'm going to get up tomorrow and uh, the sun's probably going to be out. It's just another part of life. We don't even ask those questions. And this has happened, this transition within a period of about 10 to 12 years, roughly. It hasn't been that long. It's just a one single generation. We've gone from questioning these things to accepting them as a normal part of our lives. And that's a really, really scary thing. That's a really dangerous precedent. And the beta test idea, I mentioned that earlier uh, with the, the, the publisher of Raul Dahl's books, Puffin, where they're hiring the sensitivity readers and they're kind of, I said, they're beta testing the rewrites. And it, when you came on the show tonight, Greg, you said that Puffin has announced that they're going to have the, they're going to, because of the backlash, they're going to have the rewrite and then they're going to have the classic. So they, they, they beta mm -hmm. test these things to see how the public reacts. How do you react to Dr. Seuss being canceled? Not as many people cared, apparently, because they still de discontinue those books. How do you feel about Raw Dahl? A lot of more people get upset. Okay, well, we'll sell both of them. We'll sell the censored version and the classic version. You're right. It's a beta test. They do this with everything, any kind of censorship, any kind of information gathering. It's all a beta test to see how much you will take and accept. And they give you the extreme dose, and then they dial it back in a little bit. Yeah, same thing with the mandates, uh, the vaccine mandates, the mask mandates, all of these things. When, when you have that pushback, and I, I think when you speak with your dollar, it does, uh, it, it does show where, you know, where, where they can get away with things and where they can't because they don't want to lose money. And I, I think that that is really the only color that they care about is green. So it, when it comes to these regulations, when it comes to anything that they're putting out there, the beta test, you can see when they, when they do things in a, miniature, I guess, arena compared to a, a more grandiose, uh, you know, like Facebook is just gigantic. Um, it does, it does make you wonder 
is this just a, a beta test type of environment? And, and I can definitely see how that is for everything. I mean, why wouldn't they, you know, just let's, let's test the public out, see what they can accept, see what they're willing to accept. And if they accept it, we'll push it even harder, you know? I think we've seen that in virtually everything, culture, social issues, political issues, uh, religious issues, all throughout time. Uh, people in positions of power test to see what the flexibility is uh, of, of the public, of the, the mass majority of people, see what they'll put up with and see what they'll take. I think that's why, be upset about it or not, whether it's justified or not, but you see things like Balenciaga uh, and you see things like, um, was it Fashion Nova was another one of those companies a few years ago where they're using kids and they're making them look like adults or they're kids that have been abused or kids that are being sexualized. There's the implication of child porn with the Supreme Court case and the images of Balenciaga. How much will you take? And apparently the public, even though Christians get really upset and some people like you and I might get a little bit um a little bit concerned with it or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the, the, the mass majority of people seem not to either be aware or not to care. They, it's all just some Fox news, right wing conspiracy theory, Alex Jones thing. So the public generally accepts these things. And that's why I think you've seen more and more of this obsession uh, with call it pedophilia or call it whatever, but pedophilia, uh, the sexualizing of children, because the people that do these things, it's a very super small minority they know they can get away with it because no one's really going to push back. And the few people that do push back, uh, they get railroaded by the mainstream media and turned into terrorists. And so the people that push this crap can just continue to do it. There's no consequences. Beta test, call it a beta test, call it whatever. But when they when they have the drag queen story time or, hey, hey look, Balenciaga, we've just got, where are these kids coming from? I don't know. But we've got kids in bondage gear with teddy bears with bondage gear. And these kids are drugged and drunk and they're ready to be raped. And uh, nobody really reacts except a few people online, you know, compared to hundreds of millions. So they can continue to do it. They can show you who they are. The emperor has no clothes and nobody's willing to do anything about it or you can't do anything about it. So they beta test it, see what the public will, how the public will respond. And the public doesn't respond in a, in a way that is, um, that in, in a way that prevents them from doing it, if you will. So they just continue to do it. That's, that's, that's my assessment of it. Yeah. And is this called the Overton window? What the, that you're just like that window of what is accessible or not accessible, but what is acceptable to the public, what you can and cannot yep. talk about. Yep. The Overton window. Yep. It's basically identifying what ideas uh, are acceptable and what's not acceptable government policies, cultural issues, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause the, the child pornography really disturbs me because I remember when I was back in college, I went to the university of Washington for a couple of years and, um, got my degree from there, but I took a class called human sexuality. And this class actually was in the news because they were watching porn in the class. Like part of the class was to watch this pornographic movie. And it was very uncomfortable. It wasn't, it was not child pornography. It was just straight up, pornography. And I'm like, okay, what, why are we doing this? What benefit of this? Um, but that, that's what got them into the news. Cause I remember articles came out about that, but what that class kind of focused on too was other cultures, um, in Africa, specific tribes where they have children exploring sexuality. And I remember the teacher 
kind of saying and hinting that this was a good idea that we should try to do this in America. And I was just like, what, where, why do you think this is a good idea? And, and, and she's like, well, they, they have all of these studies that are showing that if you expose children to sexuality at a younger age, they, they mature uh, at, a, at a much more uh, solidified blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Okay. Like this is where, I don't know if that's where all of this is, is started is you're seeping these ideas into the collegiate level of learning. And then after that, you're going to the corporate level and you're introducing these ideas. Of, I remember like Facebook had a poll saying something about um, sexual predators for children. You know, do you think that it's okay to be attracted to children or something? And I'm like, why are they trying to normalize child pornography or uh, this uh, infatuation with getting into a relationship with children? Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, that would be, that would and, be, that would be like saying, well, you know, in Somalia, they have human trafficking today and they sell and trade black people. So we, maybe we want to try that today again in the United States. Exactly. It's like, well, no, just because it's done somewhere else doesn't mean that it's right. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a, a morality factor here where we, we have a different culture. You know, that's why, I mean, you you, you speak about diversity, not you, but that, you know, the people on the left and people on the right too, they speak of diversity. They want inclusiveness. They want everything to be equatable, but then what about our morality here? What about, saying no to these ideas of, you know, transgender drag queen story time stuff where you're trying to confuse children and you're trying to confuse their sexuality. You're even just discussing sexuality with children. So that kind of thing to me, I think that there's a lot of, you know, back and forth on what's going to come out with this whole Epstein list. I don't, I, have you seen anything about this where they're unsealing the names of these co conspirators. Yes. Have you seen anything about that? Very, very, very little coverage of it, but yes, I have. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that when it comes down to what's right and wrong, I think the majority of Americans can agree that doing anything to children is, I mean, the absolute worst thing that you could ever do. I mean, especially if you're, if you're a parent, um, you know, when I, I have, I have three children, before I was uh, a parent, you know, when things happen to kids, you know, in movies, you'd be like, Oh, that sucks. You know, blah, blah, blah. But now it actually, I get emotional when I see something happening to a child. I actually, it's a, an instinctive thing that comes out of me. I don't know if it's because I'm a father now, but I, I think that's where we can every, everybody can agree that that is something that will never be acceptable in the United States. And, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's, it's going to be caught, you know, the, the whole Epstein thing. I don't know if that's going to reveal, you know, yes, this is still a rampant problem. I know that Donald Trump talked about child sex trafficking and whatnot around the world still being an issue. It's like, hello, we're in the, why is this still happening? Pop, hey, pop culture and the average person on social media is more concerned with Louis CK than they are with Jeffrey Epstein. Mm hmm. Yeah. And it, it's a, it's a big problem when you can't prioritize these things. 
Um, but going back to like the, the data collection and whatnot. And we, we got about three minutes or so here just for the, for the record for you, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah. The data collection, I think that they utilize this um, child pornography as like a way to trap people too. Oh, you absolutely. Know, I've heard that a lot of, you know what I mean? A, a lot of the people with this Epstein Island, they're using it as kind of this honeypot thing where they get data on you and they go, Hey, we have you on camera. You better watch out and do what you're told because we'll release this to the public blackmail. But what's concerning just real quick here is that Cheryl Atkinson, the re- uh, reporter, she said that the FBI planted child porn on her husband's computer. And so not only is it, it it's being used for blackmail, but they can choose where they want to put this material at any time. And that is terrifying. It's a very terrifying notion. You're right. And that is something that we've seen. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know how people feel about Alex Jones, but that's reportedly what they did to him too. They sent uh, child porn and then I, I, the courts, I know this happened. The courts requested, we want those emails that you sent with the child porn as if they, they knew what the emails were. Uh, just the sa- same idea. But yeah, that's, that's how they blackmail politicians, how you blackmail people in media, get them to have sex with young people young girls mostly, but could be boys as well. I mean, that's what the intelligence agencies said when the Jeffrey Epstein story broke. They said that Jeffrey Epstein was a, uh, an asset of the intelligence agencies. Mm-hmm. They used him to blackmail powerful people. Didn't matter if they were women or men, black or white, Republican or Democrat, he was an intelligence asset. And that's, it's kind of, I mean, we'll go back to what Edward Snowden said about scrutinizing everything you've ever done. Uh, that might He's referring to things on social media, something you, you know you wrote or posted, et cetera. But the thing with Jeffrey Epstein and all these other intelligence ops like that, it's the same kind of a thing. They get you into a compromising position and then, then you're blackmailable. They can they can control you, which is probably what Ukraine has over Joe Biden. They have the the receipts. They they have the blackmail against yep. him. That's why we're giving them hundreds of billions of dollars. I mean, that's just a s- small piece of it, but that's I think that's what it is. It's a it's a society run by covert intelligence operations, uh, psychological warfare, and uh, by blackmail. I think that really sums it up. Uh, Greg from Part of My American is our guest this evening. Greg, tell us very quickly, about 30 seconds, about your show. You have two shows, actually, about your shows and where listeners can find them. Yeah, Part of My American, uh, you know, we discuss trending news, fringe topics, and paranormal even. You can find us at pardonmyamerican.com. We're on Apple. We're on uh, iTunes. We're on uh, YouTube. You can find us there. Strange Sauna will be coming out on YouTube, iTunes as well. And you can find that only on Patreon. We have long-form interviews uh, with people such as yourself, Ryan. So go check us out over on Patreon as well, Pardon My American. Yeah, I was on like, what, a week ago? It was about a week ago, something like that. Yes, we discussed the Super Bowl. Yes, so you can hear another one of the uh, Super Bowl shows there. Greg, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. All right, you have a good night, okay? You as well. All right, bye-bye. Greg from Pardon My American Podcast. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. It is time for the weekend, so I hope that you have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Please subscribe to our archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you have any questions, email me rdgable at yahoo.com. You can also buy my books on the website. I think you'll enjoy those books if you enjoy The Secret Teachings. Otherwise, you can listen for free, not only Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio, but also on any radio or podcast player or application. Just search The Secret Teachings. 
We'll talk to you on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. spaceships out you're not going to find heaven they're not physical places what happened before the big bang the church of course saw scientists as a great threat illuminati